0: I'm going to begin with telling you a story about the ugliest Christmas tree I ever saw, <laughs> which belonged to my grandparents. and was the, was the Christmas tree of my childhood. The tree was a monster, uh, eight feet tall and nearly as wide as it was tall. I don't know how much it weighed, yet every year my papa struggled to pull it out of storage. The tree itself wasn't ugly, just just monstrous. The ugly was all of my mammals doing. <laughs> she began with with placing those large, multicolored outdoor lights, uh, bulbs on the tree. Um, I mean, you see them on houses now: uh, red, orange, blue, green, white. Um, so that was that was first. And if that as if that didn't provide enough illumination, she then added those candle lights those type that, that bubble as they get warm. The illumination battle was epic <laughs> upon this tree. She then added a, an assortment of, of homemade ornaments that had seen better days, and then store-bought ornaments as well. Needless to say, nothing matched. There was no theme beyond just whatever. <laughs> and then came the angel And she looked tired. (laughs) Girl was tired. Girl had seen better days. (laughs) But she had no options, so (laughs) up the tree she went. The final touch, the touch that took the tree to a whole other level, that moment of, are you kidding me with this, was the addition of silver metallic icicles. Those long those long strands of tinsel uh, that you'll find the following summer or that you'll see coming out of one end of a cat. (laughs) She didn't embrace icicles as like an accent. No. She embraced icicles as a wrapping. It was like an insulator upon that tree boxes and boxes of icicles went upon that tree to the point that eventually the tree looked like a shimmering silver hill. It was just a hill with, <laughs> with some light shining through all of the tinsel. She'd step back and she'd assess her, her work and she'd deem it magnificent Now needless to say, even as a child, five-year-old John, my inner gay sensibilities were screaming in horror. (laughs) There was nothing redeeming about that Christmas tree. And I have no doubt if an image of that tree existed today, and I've asked members of my family if, if they have an image of the tree, and they don't. But if an image did exist, I have no doubt that it would be a viral meme. <laughs> It'd be all over the world, this, the picture of that tree. However, regardless of its assault on my aesthetic sensibilities, um, that tree was, was home. And so, two years ago, um, shortly after I bought my own home, uh, while walking aimlessly through Target, I found myself standing before a silver retro Christmas tree. And I gazed upon the tree, and I smiled and I chuckled a little bit as images of metallic tinsel flying through the air filled um, my imagination, filled my heart. And I knew I wanted it for my house. You see, I was standing there, and I had this thought that if, if I had... If I have the tree in my house, it would be a thin place of connection to my childhood. A thin place of connection to a time before those days. Those days of cancer. Those days of goodbye. In those days... And so begins our entry into the season of Advent in those days. It sounds ominous because it is. Advent is not just a liturgical season of the church year. It is a reality of life that happens to us in all sorts of ways at various points of our life. In those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in heavens will be shaken. These are Jesus' words to his disciples, who have been admiring the beauty and the grandeur of the temple. Jesus, however, is telling them that that change is coming. The temple of their life is coming down. If you have ever experienced significant change in your life, whether desired or dreaded, you know about those days. You know about Advent. You know what it is like to enter into the darkness of change. And you also know that change, whether welcome or unwelcome, always brings a degree of loss. Maybe the loss of a relationship, the loss of a loved one, the loss of what is comfortable and familiar and safe regardless, the world as you have known it, has come to an end. The advents of our lives set before us important questions. How will we find our way forward when the usual lights that illuminated our path are turned out? What do we do when it feels as if our world is falling apart? Where do we go when it seems as though the darkness is our reality, our only companion, and God is nowhere to be seen or felt? The dark times of life are threshold moments. And of course, in that moment, our temptation is to always do something, to fix it, to ease the pain, to escape the uncertainty, to return to the way things used to be, perhaps to buy a silver Christmas tree. However, the God of Advent does not allow that. We can never go back to the way it was before, before the lights were turned out. You see, God does not undo our life. God redeems our life. Advent is not so much about the losses of our life as it is about the hope and the coming of what will be, what can be. The hope and the coming is the Christ child, who is the ultimate answer to every prayer, to every light extinguishing loss, to every advent throughout our life. Every time we tell the Advent story of our life, stories of loss, stories of change, stories of uncertainty, we echo the prophet Isaiah's cry, Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down to me. And God does. God is faithful. And God strengthens us to the end. And so even in the midst of our losses, we lack nothing as we await the light. Of course, the advent times of life are hard. The waiting sucks. They are liminal times. We live in between what was and what will be. We are neither here nor are we there We are betwixt and between. And sometimes in the midst of our transitions, it feels almost impossible to see the way forward. However, if we have patience, those dark threshold places of our life will draw us into a deeper understanding of the divine. Reminding us that we do not know everything. And we do not see all possibilities. We can neither predict nor control anything. And you are not in charge. And so Advent challenges us to give up our usual sources of illumination. To let go of our habitual ways of knowing to question our typical ways of seeing and being. Advent invites us to receive the God who comes to us in the darkness of life. In today's lesson, Jesus says to his disciples, remember the fig tree. When its branches become tender and it puts forth leaves, then you know that summer is near. Its season of darkness and dormancy is coming to an end. New life is possible, is promised, is beginning. And so it is when darkness threatens to overcome your life. Know that I will draw near to you, to comfort you, to heal you, to save you, to love you. Know that I will not abandon you in the darkness and the broken aspects of your life. But you must keep awake. Don't fall asleep. Darkness is not your reality, nor is it your real enemy. The real enemy is falling asleep. We fall asleep whenever fear controls our life. We fall asleep whenever hope gives way to despair. We fall asleep whenever we think that our life is over and that darkness is our final reality. And so be alert. Keep awake. Give your eyes time to adjust to the darkness. If you pay attention to the unfolding world around you, to signs of life and signs of hope, you will know I am coming for you. You will see me, and although I cannot undo the pain and loss of your life, I will offer you a new beginning. Keep awake. Each of us has experienced Advent times in life. Times of change, times of loss, times of darkness. We have and we will. However, in today's lesson, we're told to trust in God more than the darkness. To know that God comes to us in the brokenness brokenness of life. Not to undo our lives, but to restore our lives. And so tell your Advent story, a story of change and loss and darkness, and then sit down, be still, be quiet, listen, wait, watch. These are the practices of Advent. Why? Because God works for those who wait for him. And God is coming for you. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Thanks be to God. Amen.